Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, we can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here, hanging out with Travis Morningstar. Greta Thunberg, time person of the year. Person of the year. Narrowly beating out Papa John's. John Schnatter. Well, I, Schnatter deserves it, but that's just me. And also beating out Baby Yoda and Jeffrey Epstein. Isn't that Those were something. the only other options they had. No kidding, no. Greta Thunberg, person of the year. I would have given it to, this is true, the Hong Kong protesters. That's who I think now deserves actually, it the most. They didn't just give speeches in front of the UN at their parents' behest. They went out. They hit the streets. They got killed. Uh, yeah. And they did it. The They are fighting their asses off to save their democratic process and to save their democracy. So I would have given it to the Hong Kong protesters. Wow. But. Very noble. Do you remember the year that uh, time the time person of the year was you? you? Mm, yeah, I remember that. And I thought it was the dumbest thing That's in like the making, history of the world. That's like making mayonnaise condiment of the year. Mayonnaise apparently is condiment of the year. We found that out today. Uh, number three condiment is your... What was number three? Why'd you skip to three? Because I'm taking them down. <laughs> okay. Number oh, three, uh, what was it? Soy sauce. Soy sauce. Number two, ketchup. Number one was mayonnaise. Trump's America, folks. Hot, you can't I mean, make it up. To not even, not even include hot sauces. No, hot sauce is a sauce. It's not a condiment. I, we did a lot of research on this, is, actually. Now, is hot sauce closer to time person of the year than, than condiment? Or is it is it it should be in the condiments, in my opinion. Well, but. as far as I'm concerned, uh, hot sauce, I would say Frank's Red Hot is person of the year any year, any day. Good job, Frank. Always. Thank you, Frank. We're going to talk a bit about impeachment. What does it mean for Donald Trump going forward? we got some polling data that some of you may not like to hear regarding Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. We're also going to talk about Donald Trump. He just signed an executive order uh, which makes anti-Semitism, or which makes Judaism, rather, uh, a race rather than a religion. So we're going to talk about the interesting nature of what that could lead to, specifically on college campuses. Obviously, Jared Kushner pushed this legislation through. He didn't push this legislation through. He wanted Donald Trump, his papa-in-law, to sign it. And this is something that he's been fighting for for a long time. Ironically enough, so is David Duke. 
uh, because David Duke yes. has publicly said that hmm. uh, Judaism is not a religion. Hmm. It is indeed a race. And Jared so, Kushner is the guy that is supposed to be like solving the Middle East crisis. Like, he's got a lot Trump on his has plate. said, if Jared can't do it, no one can. Nobody can. Uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about what's going on regarding uh, the House bill that would give legal status to thousands of undocumented workers. Obviously, the Senate will most likely say no can do on that. Plus, the Trump administration, they have finalized a rule that will kick, I believe it's 700,000 people off of food stamps, often referred to as the SNAP program, just in time for the holiday season. So we will talk about all of that. Also, a little bit later on, we have Rachel Millman. Uh, she is the producer, the creator, the co-director. co-director, the gal behind a great documentary all about gerrymandering called Line in the Street. So make sure you stick around for that interview. Interesting. She went out there. She put her shoes onto the concrete and she made social change, helped make social change. And that is all we can ask of our people. But, but first, first, we have to go to Facebook because, you know, Travis, he's young and he's hip. I'm obs- Well, OK. You, you're tra- you're, you know with, about social media. Being obsessed you know with about- Facebook is not any indicative thing about youth. It is no, like completely no. the opposite. Now. You're young. You're hip. You're my you're my guy when it comes to Facebook. You know all these new social media platforms well, Facebook, out there just like Facebook. Facebook represents the like the first online dystopia in my opinion. Sure. And so it's like when we when something like this next thing that we're about to talk about comes up, it it's like watching a an oil dike explode in in a, in a desert. It, it's just amazing to see this like crazy thing happen. It's the gift um, that keeps on giving. So this is coming from popular.info. Um headline is RIP Rowdy Republican. Oh. A large Facebook group, Rowdy Republican, has been using incendiary right-wing memes to push dangerous misinformation about diabetes to millions of Facebook users. Nearly 3 months after the page's tactics were exposed, Facebook has finally taken down the Rowdy Republican page and a rep- a related page called A Conservative Nation. Hmm. So here is how the operation worked. All right. Rowdy Republican, which had nearly 800,000 fans before it was removed, oh. would post a right-wing meme to attract engagement likes shares and comments and uh initially the post would have no mention of diabetes presumably to encourage maximum engagement but a few hours after posting once the meme was rocketing around the facebook platform the post would be edited to include a link to a diabetes scam the links led to the big diabetes lie website um, and the website's fundamental message Hold is... Hold on a second. The website is the Big Diabetes Lie. Yes. So you is, go to a website, it's the Big Diabetes Lie dot fat or yes. something like that. <laughs> and now this is about this. First of all, they're targeting people who may or may not be a little... I'm going to assume the people that are targeted are more likely to be at risk of adult they kn- diabetes. They probably know a thing or two about type 1, type 2 diabetes. They might. Okay, so now what's the lie okay, of diabetes? So if you go to the the big diabetes lie, um, the, it seems that their website's uh, messages 
Uh, if you have diabetes and listen to your doctor's recommendations, you will die a painful death. That is for verbatim from the big di- diabetes lie. So if you listen to your doctor, try to curb your diabetes, you're you going will to die, die a painful a death. painful death. Well, now, how do we know this isn't actually created by left-wing groups to try to get older people, specifically Trumpers in this case, to die from diabetes? And you're just asking questions, Ben. But here's an excerpt from the website. It doesn't matter if you follow your doctor's recommendations and dosages exactly as prescribed. This isn't a question of if, but when. Your health will get worse. The drugs you take will fail. The insulin injections you take will also fail. Mm -hmm. If you have diabetes, you simply cannot continue this way. Sooner rather than later, you will die, either from diabetes, its complications, or side effects from the drugs you take. And it won't be quietly in your sleep either. Getting rushed to the hospital while the paramedics break all of your ribs, giving you CPR, will be hell on earth. Hmm. This fate, now this is uh, not an excerpt, this fate can be avoided if you purchase a $55 paperback book. Oh, well, there you go. Yes. You know, honestly, I'm for it. I'm for it. I'm for it. So if you uh, really, if you go to the diabeteslie.com and you take it dead serious, maybe it's time for you to go. Dr. David Goldstein, one of the nation's top experts on diabetes, told popular information that doctors now know how to prevent all diabetes complications. Nevertheless, patients run into problems because they don't follow their doctor's recommendations or watch crazy videos like the ones featured on the Big Diabetes Lie website. Um, He described the information as extremely dangerous, obviously. Uh, Nevertheless, the rowdy Republican page was extremely successful on Facebook. And mind you, it was only removed three months after it was exposed for what it was doing. Well, they are rowdy Republicans. Over 30 days in August and September, the rowdy Republican page outperformed USA Today, which has 8 million followers, the Los Angeles Times, which has 2.76 million followers, Followers, BuzzFeed News, 3.02 million, and Vox, 2.43. There you go. A lot of numbers. The diabeteslie.com. Check it out for all your diabetes information. You're going to die if you follow their advice, but you know what? What's 55 bucks amongst thieves? Go out there, buy that book, do a little reading, and get dumber. That's it, the world we live in it, now. It just shows you how like successful the the incendiary pro-Trump propaganda stuff is, though. Oh, absolutely, and I firmly believe uh, that is a nonpartisan group. That is simply a group to where it's like, where are suckers? How do I attract suckers? And indeed, I would assume that they attracted quite a few of those uh, sweet pops. Um, all right. So the journey of this impeachment inquiry has gone from the Judiciary Committee all the way up to the Intelligence Committee, led, of course, by the always youthful Jerry Nadler. What does this all mean? Obviously, we're looking at the polling data here. The polling has not moved nationally. Republicans and Democrats have not changed their views in national polls regarding if they believe Donald Trump should be impeached or if they think he should not be impeached. However, I want to talk about the impeachment inquiry from this perspective, and I want to focus on three major states. Oh, they're battleground states. I want to talk about Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan. And again, stick around for our interview with Rachel coming up here in the very near future. We talk extensively about Pennsylvania in the context of gerrymandering. Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan. These are states that Hillary Clinton, this was formerly known as the Blue Wall, the strongest wall in the history of walls. However, it was not so strong. The cracks were shown in 2016 to the point that they shattered as opposed to the glass ceiling shattering, which is, of course, what many people wanted 
with the election of Hillary Clinton. So Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, these crucial states, how are they reacting to the Donald Trump impeachment inquiry? According to Firehouse Strategies. Now, Firehouse Strategies, it's a conservative group. Um, they took this, uh, they did this poll along with Optimum. Uh, the polling itself is at plus four, basically across the board. So take everything here with a grain of salt. You want a poll to be plus three and no more uh, to be scientifically accurate. But of course, with modern polling data, Oftentimes, plus four will sneak by. I've seen some polls like plus 16 on MSNBC and Fox News because television news just doesn't care about the truth whatsoever. But interestingly enough, Sanders in Pennsylvania now trails Donald Trump by 10 points and Warren uh, registers seven points behind Donald Trump. This is after what we've uh, been following with the impeachment inquiry. Uh, Firehouse Strategies polling in Wisconsin voted far worse for all the Democrats, with Trump performing best in the state and registering double-digit leads over every candidate, except for everyone's crazy uncle, Joe Biden, who was found to be nine points behind the commander-in-chief that is Donald Trump. This is according to... Firehouse Strategies, they wrote this in a blog post. They said, overall, we find President Trump performing well in these crucial 2020 states. They go on to say, well, these numbers will fluctuate and the presidential election continues. Trump is well situated to win back these contests. So the question is, why? And I would contend it is because this impeachment inquiry with everyone knowing, and we talk about this uh, coming up again here in the very near future with Rachel, when it comes to political parties being firmly entrenched, everyone has their heels dug in. Because of the hyper-partisanship right now of Washington, a lot of people are seeing these impeachment inquiries as nothing more than political theater, and it's not moving the needle whatsoever for the Democratic Party in a positive way, the way that some people expected it to. What we have here is a situation where people understand that no Republicans are going to vote for impeachment in the House. And when it comes to Democrats, the vast majority, if not all, there's probably two Democrats that may not vote for impeachment because they live in more purple districts or straight up, perhaps down in South Carolina or something like that. So we have a situation where this political process, uh, the impeachment process, which is a political process and not a legal process, is hyper-partisan, and everyone knows as soon as it gets to the Senate, if they even do take a vote, and I think that they end up will end up taking a vote, they will vote to not convict Donald Trump. He will be impeached, but he will not be convicted in the Senate. So this has been a perfect talking point for Donald Trump and his administration and his campaign going forward. There's nothing he likes more than to be seen as taking on uh, the state taking on the government, taking on the man. And in this situation, even though he is ironically the president of the United States, the most powerful position in the country, he will still see himself. People will still see him now as the knight fighting against the government of the United States. That's how he's going to be positioning his entire 2020 campaign. And I'm just slightly concerned that the Democrats gave him way, way too much political ammunition. This is crazy. <laughs> I mean, this sucks. I mean, if this, if this... I just don't want. I, I just feel like we're we're in a time now. I mean, am I am I going crazy? I mean, am I wrong? 
I don't know. I just, every time, Travis, we travel all around. Yes. Does anyone, and we talk to a lot of people on the left, has anyone mentioned the impeachment? Does, does anyone, I just, it, I don't get any energy off of it. No one's giving me anything when I go and I talk to politics, I talk politics at, at restaurants and bars and on the streets yelling at pigeons. I talk politics with so many people and no one, and we're talking about people who do not like Donald Trump. No one has felt motivated by the impeachment inquiry. There is something disconnecting. Well, like it's the, because we can't, how are we supposed to play a game yeah. and pretend like you never know when the outcome is more scripted than a professional wrestling match? We already know he's not going to be convicted in the Senate. So I don't know. This might just be... Yeah, there needs. To, there really needs to be some... This, the carrot and the stick thing needs to be a little bit more emphasized. Like, what? Are, Why did they even? Does anyone get to spank him at least? <laughs> does anyone well, get I, to if put Jerry hands Nadler on him? Gets to bend Donald Trump over his weird old man knees and give him a tush whapping. And I wonder if Trump it would might even, all be worth if Trump it. Trump would be like, "Yes, fine, you can spank me." At the end of it, like if if Mike Pence watching with an erection. <laughs> yes, but like if there there has to be something at the end of it because you're right. The we all know what's gonna. It's like knowing that you're gonna die. Yes, but then you still fall in love. You still sure. you still start a podcast network. Sure. So I mean, there there is there is a reason for the process, but there also doesn't seem to be like a payoff in in sight whatsoever. And so it's like, yes, he will be. You know, Andrew Johnson was impeached. Bill Clinton was impeached. It won't be the first time that a president has been impeached and stayed in power, but it's going to be just. I think it's just going to be kind of a. Uh, a frustrating point for people who don't want to see Donald Trump elected in 2020 when the entire campaign that Trump has now been given by the Democrats is that he is fighting for, you know, just against the deep state, all of this. He's fighting George Soros money. All of the people that clicked on the meme that uh, Travis the, the brought up earlier, meme, yeah. all of the diabetes people. <laughs> If they live through 2020, or if they take that website at face value, Republicans, all of those people are feeling more empowered now because of this, and it really is—it's immensely frustrating because we're not talking about the real issues that are facing the American people, and we're talking about that. Let's talk about that right now when it comes to food assistance, when it comes to SNAP. My little brother—he's 26 years old, uh, special needs. He requ he re requires uh, these programs. When I was growing up, all of our foster brothers and sisters would go and uh, participate in a program called Head Start, uh, where they were able to get an education and some food. We need these programs in this country to have a safety net so that when people do fall on hard times, they don't just stay there and get trampled. They actually lift themselves up, which I know is how the Democrat, or which I know is how the Republican Party is trying to like we got 700,000 people off of food stamps. Yeah. There's a difference between getting people yeah. off of food stamps because they have a job and kicking them off of food stamps uh, because of uh, well, perhaps medical issues the, or whatever it might be. The Trump administration says that uh, it, it estimates that by taking food benefits away from struggling adults, it will save hardworking taxpayers $15 billion over 10 years. So we're literally eating the poor isn't that nice and of course 16 billion dollars for the economy uh the largest economy in the world in the world which is ours is just a splash in the bucket and they're only doing this because it plays to a base that wants to feel superior to the others that is this entire notion 
is that you want to be able to look down on people. Maybe you don't have the best job. Maybe you don't have the most amount of money. But hey, at least you're better than someone. And that is the entire political agenda behind Donald Trump and Donald Trump's success. It is the it is the Roger Stone vision of hate is more powerful than love and people want to feel superior as opposed to equal. That is it. Because these people, these 700,000 human beings, I am sure also, I'm sure we have some libertarians or Republicans listening to be like, they're just lazy. Many of them don't need this. And I will concede. I bet you there are people that are taking that money and using it poorly. Um, very similar to a lot of these corporations who are getting a lot of corporate welfare. Look at Foxconn in Wisconsin, for example, where Wisconsin's going to end up paying billions of dollars to have this company grace us with its wonderful presence. Yes, I'm sure there are some people taking advantage of the system. That doesn't mean that you just do away with the entire system, that you just make these grandiose uh, cuts that are going to, that is going to, greatly affect people's lives negatively and peop- are, are people in poverty the ones taking advantage of the system or is amazon who paid nothing in federal income taxes on more than 11 billion dollars in profit yeah. the one taking advantage no absolutely good point and of course these corporations also uh donald trump they use this to rationalize uh, the cutting of this program they say well these people are able-bodied the economy is doing great they should be able to go find a job Automation is on the rise. The economy is doing great. That doesn't necessarily correlate with uh, jobs being prevalent. Obviously, we live in a gig economy. uh, And one of the great ironies, of course, about our job numbers is we don't take into account people who are no longer looking for work because they live in an area where there are no jobs. We just sort of pretend like they don't exist. It's like a super bizarre way to measure unemployment. It's the rationale of like a sociopath. It's somebody that has no empathy and cannot... Cannot cannot really understand the fact that people there are some people on the streets that just cannot make it because they have no support system. They have mental health issues. Absolutely, it's, it's there are so many more other reasons people are destitute than they're lazy. Yes, absolutely. So that is uh, just a piece of uh, legislation uh, that is finalized by Donald Trump by this administration, and again. Uh, I I believe media gives us very little of what they should be giving us, which is actually what Trump's America looks like for the people who are being devastated by his policies the most. Those are the silent people. Those are the people that aren't in the room. Those are the people that you don't see. These are the people who are marginalized and in the crosshairs of Donald Trump and his political whims because he does these things for political gain and that is it this doesn't have this does not help our country and i guarantee you the 16 billion dollars uh that this is going to create where's the question is allocation of funds where's it going to go i don't think it's going to go into schools i don't think it's going to go into you know building roads this is probably just going to get sucked up into some horrible either foreign war by proxy well or some bizarre different corporate uh, welfare giveaway it won't go anywhere because the the tax cut that uh trump signed for corporations is actually going to cost us 
2.3 trillion over 10 Woo! years. All right. So it doesn't really matter. Well, let's talk a little bit about something positive in the House. And this is, again, why it would be nice if we didn't just talk about the impeachment when it comes to the Democrats having control of the House of Representatives. They are trying to do some good things. This is specifically when it comes to granting thousands of undocumented farm workers legal status. Um, so there was a big closed door bipartisan negotiations. The Farm Workforce Modernization Act was introduced in late October by um, Mario Diaz-Ballert. He's actually a Republican out of Florida. Zoe Zofgren, a Democrat out of California. Dan Newhouse, a Republican out of Washington. Colin Peterson, a Democrat out of Minnesota. Jimmy Panetta, Democrat out of California. Mike Simpson, a Republican out of Idaho. And Doug LaMaffa, a Republican out of California. Under this proposal, the H-2A visa category for agricultural workers would be reformed to add flexibility for employers bringing in new foreign labor. Uh, the bill would allow foreign workers who, are wor who worked in the U.S., in the agriculture sector for at least 180 days over the past two years to request a five-year visa. Those visas would be renewable for workers who prove they've worked in agriculture for more than 100 hours per year. So this is a quote according to Diaz-Ballert. He says, when you read the title, maybe folks may only think that this is an agricultural bill, but in reality, this bill also helps deal with a vital national security issue, a stable supply of agricultural goods produced here in the United States of America. So why did I say that this was mostly passed through because of Democratic support? Because that's what the numbers bear out. Only three Democrats, that's Bobby Scott out of Virginia, Jared Golden out of Maine, and Ben McAdams out of Utah voted against the bill. And for some reason, Rashida Tlaib in Michigan voted present. The proposal also garnered the support of 34 Republicans. However, you did have a lot of Republicans, specifically the, you know, the weird alt-right fringe Republicans, in this case, Representative Steve King, who is a longtime proponent of such immigration bills. He calls it amnesty. It's just that simple. So we have a situation where the House was able to pass something that could actually help people, and we will see if the Senate takes it up whatsoever. It was a bipartisan bill with mostly Democrats supporting it. About 15% of workers in the industry are currently undocumented. President Trump's administration has intensified immigration enforcement in recent months, including an August raid of food processing facilities in Mississippi that uh, that detained almost 700 undocumented workers. So I'm assuming if this does magically pass the Senate, which I don't think that it will with Mitch McConnell's Senate, I'm assuming that Donald Trump would simply veto this, and this is DOA. Yeah. Because this goes against every single thing that Donald Trump ran on. This would anger the Ann Coulter wing of Donald Trump's base. And 2020, get ready for the anti-immigration rhetoric to be turned up to 11 because he knows where his bread is buttered and oftentimes that is bigotry that's why mayonnaise is the number one condiment. mayonnaise is number one baby 40 years in a row for <laughs> staying strong in uh in uh white america i love it all right what else do we want to talk about travis um, you know the that that shooting that happened on the uh u.s military base by the by the member of the Saudi Air Force. Yes, the shooting that happened in Pensacola at a naval base. 
Uh, Muhammad al-Shamrani, uh, he was extremely upset, evidently, and we talked about this on Side Stories, that uh, one of his superiors had nicknamed him Porn Stash. And Travis has an interesting component to this story that I, we just kind of wanted to share with you. Well, yeah, so uh, he was actually a Saudi soldier training right. on a U.S. military base, which is strange to me. And not just any Saudi soldier. A member of the Air Force. A Saudi Air Force soldier. Was, <laughs> something something seems a little strange. scary to me as an American. It's, I don't know if we need to be teaching the Saudis how to fly any more planes. And so then that plus, you know, Trump tweeted out after the uh, after the shooting and he, he said, King Salman of Saudi Arabia just called to express his sincere condolences and give his sympathies to the families and friends of the warriors who were killed and wounded in the attack. The king said that the Saudi people are greatly angered by the barbaric actions of the shooter and that this uh -huh. person is no way, shape, or form represents the feeling of the Saudi people who love the American people. Oh, thank you. Um, but this, the response to this is it mirrors the the Jamal Khashoggi thing from, what was that, 2017, 2018, where uh, our report you know our journalist from dc went over to saudi arabia and was butchered yeah and then uh the response to that was sending mike pompeo to give mohammed bin salman a hug yep and do a photo op yep and uh so there is this strange like mind melding of of bedfellows that is happening between saudi arabia i mean it's not started you it know has my been, friend it has been solidified now i suppose that's the thing with oil you start slipping and sliding next thing you know you fall down the hill together you laugh and you roll down the hill and then you see a little flower and you give it to one another this saudi oil money has polluted the minds of this country and polluted our leadership for so long not just the environment it's polluted the soul of america it just hasn't polluted the globe that we live in it has polluted the soul of this country and that is why we consistently turn the blindest of blind eyes to everything that saudi arabia is currently doing in the middle east and one of the ironies is and we'll talk about uh this jewish situation the judaism situation here in one second we love we love israel uh, obviously as a nation i'm just saying that's the u.s foreign policy now the saudis and the israelis they hate each other it is such a complex region to understand because it's basically like if every single state in america had thousands and thousands of years of war between themselves and then we're just trying to figure out how to get this to be one nation it would not happen that's why the middle east will always be fractured and uh, that's why i believe our thumbprint is all over uh our bloody thumbprint is all over the situation but yeah so like you know the, this this whole like forgive and forget thing with Saudi Arabia about everything, not just this. You know, it is just a lone gunman who, by the way, if somebody calling you porn stash is enough to make you flip out and lose your mind, it would have been something else. I, I, yeah, exactly. That's my point. Is like this he person, probably, he would have stabbed someone in the line at a Chick Fil A person, or a Popeyes. Yes, this person's ego is like eggshell delicate, and there was it didn't matter what happened. Like you guys, you know, Henry gave me the nickname Titties. He did, but. I, I really didn't it did not occur to me to be to get upset about it now because it's Henry Zabrowski calling me titties that's like titties is like the next word on his tongue at all times well it's very important to have if, to say something first and if like Noam Chomsky called me titties then I'd be like why did Noam Chomsky call me titties there must be something inherently wrong in my character and my person but no yeah so it, it this person obviously is deranged is my point but the uh the 
the comfy relationship that Trump has with Saudi Arabia, um, offering <laughs> offering troops to uh to fight on Saudi Arabia's behalf after their oil tankers were attacked like all oh. this shit and just in and of, of course sidestepping uh Yemenis uh, the the Yemeni people being killed uh by Saudi Arabia I don't know if we sidestepped it but but all of it just it it's clear that I guess Trump wants to like live in Saudi Arabia after he's hounded out of America. He's gonna like have his own. He's going to Mar-a-Lago. He's, don't think he's I not. I don't know. Well, I mean, Mar-a-Lago in Saudi Arabia, the climate is certainly it's similar. I mean, yeah, I he so. might have a Xanadu kind of pleasure palace. Trump could easily be like in a like living on a pleasure skiff in in Saudi Arabia in 2035. Who the hell knows? Uh, at- 2035 i think you'll be dead no this man is not going to die oh well this man is going to be a hologram and we're going to perfect (laughs) we're going to perfect sensors on Uh, the hologram that then shoot pleasure and feeling into a central nervous system that is on a uh like a, a mega processor all right well i hope that they teach the saudi pilots here in america how to land this time because last time uh it did not end so well Just lastly here before we get to our interview with Rachel Millman, again, uh, behind co-director of the great documentary, very interesting documentary, Line in the Street, Donald Trump is aiming to crack down. Now, I don't know. And so email us here at the last podcast network. Um, I don't know if anti-Semitism is particularly profound on college campuses. I did not think that was the largest issue facing uh, college students, anti-Semitism. But nonetheless, that's how they're sort of wrapping uh, what this concept is and what Donald Trump has put forward today. He says college campuses have become anti-Semitic, and because of that, he's no longer going to allow Judaism to be clarified or identified as a religion, but now it is a race. Again, something that Jared Kushner wanted and David Duke wanted. Yes. So what this does is give Jewish people uh, rights under Title VI of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. This is how that act is written. It says it prohibits discrimination on the basis of race, color, and national origin in programs and activities receiving federal financial assistance. So they're arguing here uh, that because... Many colleges will, in my opinion, rightfully say uh, that the Palestinians are prisoners in their own country. That can now be construed as anti-Semitic, anti-Semitic and not just anti-Semitic, but illegal. Yes. Under Title six of the 1964 crime or of the 1964 Civil Rights Act. So what's going to happen is if you are part of a pro-Palestinian uh, protest group on campus the college that you're at has to make the decision now. Mm-hmm. Do we support the free, freedom of speech of this pro-Palestinian group? If you're part of like a BDS uh, pro-Palestinian group, do we support the freedom of speech of this protest? Or are we going to get funding from the Department of Education? Exactly. So, and, you know, that's what colleges are supposed to be for. Colleges are supposed to be places where people can learn Uh, And where they can make decisions and where they can say, I side with this group over that group for these reasons, just because you are anti 
Israeli occupation in Gaza or in Palestine, and the Palestinians are constantly getting land uh, taken away from them. Again, uh, Brooke Rogers was just over there. They truly are prisoners in their own country because you are against someone like Benjamin Netanyahu, who is now ousted and most likely will end up in a jail cell, maybe a large jail cell so he can fit. Because you are against Israeli policy towards the uh, uh, Palestinian people, that can now be construed as just anti-Semitic, illegal under the law, and now your school will lose uh, will lose federal funding. This is just one of those alt-right, under-the-radar, completely and utterly unneeded policies put forward by Donald Trump to satisfy that wing of the party who, again, like David Duke, want to see Israel shine in that region because when they do shine and once they do get full control over the Palestinian territories and once Israel does get full control over Gaza, then the United States will go in and eliminate Israel. And it just and just a reminder, this is also the guy who signed this executive order, Donald Trump, is the same guy who after Charlottesville, after men were holding tiki it's torches, very confusing. screaming, Jews will not replace us, he said there's good guys on both sides. <laughs> there's bad. There's right, bad the guys on both sides. Like that. That maybe have been, would have been the moment to say, "Whoa, I got to do something about this anti-Semitism." But now is the moment to do it on college campuses specifically. I am so annoyed with college campuses. We had Title Nine. This is Title Six. Title Nine, a little bit more um, broad, uh, slightly different. Obviously, that was regarding sexual assault mainly. Universities are right now being used as a proxy war for allocation of funds. Yes. Right. That's what we talk about when it's like, what's the difference between the two parties? The only difference is allocation of funds. And what do they do with those funds? Uh, this is not at all what our university system should be about. This, the university system, we need to start educating people because we are falling again. I think we fell four uh, points back or four rankings back when it comes to education and countries. We are doing horrible with education. And the last thing our schools need is uh, to be concerned that they're going to have lack of funding because a college professor, perhaps from Palestine, argues that what he saw was atrocious. And he says that is because of certain Israeli policies. Again, Against the Palestinian people, which again does not make you anti-Semitic, because when you look back at Netanyahu, uh, he barely got over fifty percent. Like there was a lot of Jewish people who did not like Benjamin Netanyahu, who do not like the policies uh, that the uh, Israeli government is putting forward in Palestine, who believe it's far too hawkish, believe it's far too hard, believe it's far too harsh and inhumane. So it doesn't make you anti-Semitic to be against a government's policies, and, and I just feel like this is a very dangerous step in the wrong direction. But I mean, and to be sure, anti-Semitism is on a rise in no small part to the climate, to the culture that Donald Trump is, is you know, I think responsible for in, in a large part. But uh, what this what this executive decision ultimately does is it legitimizes apartheid in uh, the Middle East. So this is the State Department. It cites International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance. That's IHRA. And of course... We have to be extremely sensitive to the past, but they define anti-Semitism as, quote, a certain perception of Jews, which may be expressed as hatred towards Jews, rhetorical and physical manifestations of anti-Semitism are directed towards Jewish or non-Jewish individuals and or their property towards Jewish community institutions and religious facilities. I do not believe a robust conversation about Israeli foreign policy falls into any of I. Uh, 
IHRA's definition of anti-Semitism. So this is Donald Trump gearing up for 2020, uh, placating the people in his base uh, that other politicians would prefer to forget. Uh, But of course, Donald Trump wears everything on his weird, weird long tie for all of us to save. And um, yeah, it's just uh, it's a fascinating time. And again, it would be nice if our news covered these stories a little bit more because that is pretty insane. And that just happened uh, here Wednesday of this week via executive order. We, they, they shat all over Barack Obama for being king in chief. And again, when it comes to executive orders, W had more, Clinton had more, uh, Donald Trump will certainly have more than Barack Obama. So. Well, Jade, Jade, you know, don't forget Jade Helm. What's that, Jade Helm? Yeah, remember when we all got rounded up into FEMA camps, prisons? Oh, I remember that. That was his big executive order. I remember all of that. The guy couldn't even get someone on the Supreme Court, let alone do that. But that's a whole other thing. All right, everyone. Now it's time for my interview with Rachel Millman. Uh, she is the co-director of Line in the Street. She also does a wrestling podcast. She was adamant that she wanted me to plug. WrestleSplania. WrestleSplania. So enjoy this interview. It's enlightening. And it's just a good little slice of life as to what you can do if you get involved. All right, everyone, now it is time for our interview with Rachel Millman. I am excited to have you on, Rachel. Thank um, you. You have been screaming about gerrymandering <laughs> for quite a long time. You have a, a docu- couple of years. A yeah. couple of years, which most people don't just randomly scream about gerrymandering no, in supermarkets. No, 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 no. But I like that about and you. And if they do, they have a diagnosis. But and, mine and, is only ADHD. And your diagnosis <laughs> is freedom and democracy. I guess. So the name of the documentary is Line in the Street. Yes. It specifically targets Pennsylvania's 40th district. Well, it targets... It's all about all of Pennsylvania, but a lot of it is focused in the 40th. Um, So when we talk in this country about uh, the diff, when we talk about uh, entrenched politics that we're living in now, hyper-partisan politics with zero compromise on either side, the impeachment inquiry, a perfect example, there will not be one Democrat that votes against impeaching Donald Trump in the House, and there will not be any Republicans that votes to impeach Donald Trump in the House. And of course, the Senate's going to be broken along party lines. But when we talk about this, maybe a few Democrats will vote not to. It depends what kind of districts they're in, but we'll talk about that. But for the most part, it's hyper-partisan. And we've been talking about this for a very, very long time. And we talk about this in the context of people just got to get along. But in reality, the seed was planted many, many years ago, and that seed has taken its form. It's flowered into what our modern gerrymandered districts are today. So can you talk to a, talk to our audience a little bit about why you started this project, why it's so important, and how we're dealing with the ramifications of the gerrymandered reality every single day in our political life? Okay. Uh, that's like a light question. By the way, I, I really appreciate how the documentary starts with your dad just staring into the camera and giving you like a very, just like pennies on the back of a, yeah. what seems to be like a drum set. Your father is uh, great. And Isn't he adorable? He just breaks it down because it is like going into a documentary about gerrymandering. It's like, what you, the it's fuck a little, is you, it? You're like, what, yeah. what am I getting myself into? And then the first shot is your dad just like, Setting down with you, wise old man. Here's some pennies. Here's some dimes. Yeah, and then he breaks down packing and cracking. But uh, but go first ahead. First of all, Bob Millman is a saint. 
That's uh, your father. That's Bob my Mil- dad. Bob yes. Melvin is the same. That's in uh, his kitchen. He's, he's in my stepmom's kitchen in uh, upstate New York, outside of Albany. I shouldn't get, I guess, I mean, everything's public. It's in Scotia, New York. Please don't go there unless you know him. Um, but <laughs> so basically. When, yeah, when it comes to the documentary, what, what, uh, what have you figured out and why did you get into it? So basically, as long as I have been politically cognizant since, was about the 2000 election when I was 13. Great. Um, yeah, that's sort so of when I came to So if you want to do that math, too. yeah. Uh, it, basically, since I've been politically cognizant, I, when I saw that the election results weren't decided because like you're a kid and you just figure like it's one vote, what the fuck is an electoral college? Right. And that's not even a comment on like, public schools that's just like you don't know it because you don't know it and I turned to my dad and I was like what is this and he explained it to me and I was like well that's he explained the electoral college to me and I was like well that doesn't sound great right um and he was like actually it's worse and and like launched into explaining to me what gerrymandering was which like a lot of it was in one ear and out the other but I basically understood the concept then which was that like they're cheating right that gerrymandering is your elected officials redrawing the lines and rigging the contest in order to stay in office. So, uh, by so the way, I, I love that your father just mentioned this to you as a 13-year-old girl. <laughs> yeah. like, we're going to jump right in. Yeah. We're going to talk. Yes, EC isn't great, but yeah. let's get into something more nefarious. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's, um, but I think, I mean, it's, my dad is absolutely where I started with a base of my politics, I was always going to be annoying and on the left. That's just, like, I think who I am in my soul. You know, it's interesting. They have done, like, genetic tests and scientific tests to be like, you can't... Brains are kind of born right wing or left wing. Yeah. And obviously there's some wiggle room in the middle, but... uh, Yeah, I mean, like, my dad... You were born this way, like Lady Gaga says. My dad was tear gas protesting Vietnam. Like, you know, if you're going to make an argument for it being in my blood, it's in my blood. Absolutely. Um, I was saying to Ben, I was like, I really expected... Uh, uh, Rachel's dad to like body slam one of these Republican senators no. in the documentary. No, I'm the one who's into wrestling. <laughs> yeah. I only got into that two years ago, but that's for a separate guest appearance on maybe another different thing. Um, but uh, so my dad made me aware of it when I was very, very young. And then when I was 18 or 19, I helped him make a documentary about voting machines in New York State. And mm. because they were go- there was going to be a bill passed where they were going to bring in electronic voting machines in New York State with no paper trail. Right, right. Which is not what should be happening and should never be happening. And my dad made a documentary and won, basically, is how he he felt about it, is that he presented it to the legislature and they were all on camera basically being like, we don't know what we're doing. Right. After that, about 10 years pass, um, and I got into the news for a very silly reason, which was that I raised a lot of money uh, crowdfunding for hurricane relief from Hurricane Harvey, and mm. I can never, ever remember the name of what, the one in Puerto Rico after Harvey, but I managed to uh, get in... Wasn't my intention to. I crowdfunded a lot of money with a photo of a cat acting poorly and <laughs> got into the New York Post about it. My dad called me to be like, I'm proud of you. You did a great job. But also was like, can you do this again? I want to make a documentary about gerrymandering mm-hmm. uh, because he had just seen a small, like maybe two paragraph article in the Times about a court case being filed in Pennsylvania. And this is the important part. Right. Against the Pennsylvania state constitution. Okay. Because a lot of people's concept of gerrymandering is that the fight is already over because it was struck down 
against the U.S. Constitution. And our documentaries basically... So the Supreme Court has come forward and said gerrymandering on a federal level is totally legal, no problem, nothing to see here. Um, I don't know if they said totally legal and nothing to see here, but it was a case brought to the Supreme Court that was basically struck down as like not... We don't care. Okay. Um, And like a lot of people were understandably very upset because you think... It's the U.S. Constitution. This is like the biggest rule of law. This is what you should do. But the reason and the reason the reason the thesis of our documentary says what it says is that like what you can the legal terms and the legal ways in which you have to fight gerrymandering is you basically have to say this is disrupting my right to vote. Right. And the U.S. Constitution, um, it would take a lot longer to talk about the ways in which that's a flawed document. The U.S. Constitution does not have, in plain English, that you have a right to vote. Maybe because it was written by slaveholders. Um, no, of course. I mean, obviously yeah. the 13th Amendment, uh, yeah, it's, women's it's, suffrage. I mean, the Constitution's been amended quite regularly. Several times over, but it's not in the original language. Right. State constitutions have, in plain language, the following two things. Your right to vote. And your right to equal protection. By Mm. the nature of what it is, gerrymandering is not equal protection. So the old maps in Pennsylvania, uh, the word I go with is flagrant Mm. in how and how severely gerrymandered they were. They have the famous uh, goofy kicking Donald Duck district. Yes, they had some great names for it. Yeah, they have really good names for them. Yeah. But it's flagrant everywhere and it's flagrant in different ways. But Well, it's Pen- funny to see Pennsylvania in particular because it's not, there are strange shapes of states in the country. It was especially egregious. Pennsylvania yeah. is quite clearly a rectangle. <laughs> and, and so you have these, <laughs> yes. you have the Donald Duck. You can Duck make boxes, yeah. K- getting kicked by goofy shape, which is like, you'd have to, you have to be like slightly tripping to even interpret the shape that way. That's how like strange it is. Yes. Uh, but it, it, it's it is egregious and flagrant just yeah. on its face. Yeah. And there's a, there was a before the case went through, there was a street in Philly where you could stand in three different districts. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> Which is that's crazy. And again, that's crazy that depending on where you stand in your house. You have a different vote. That's insane. And again, the name of the documentary, please go out there, get this. It's only two bucks. Yeah. Line in the street. Yeah. So my dad called me and was like, I want to make a documentary about this. Can you raise this much money again? And I was like, I can do X amount. And he was like, can you do Y amount? And I was like, give me like a month. And he was like, can you do Z amount? And I was like, I need you to get me a budget. I think so. (laughs) And then we need to go from there. So I took on crowdfunding it. It took me about two months to raise uh, the money for the documentary. We raised uh, twenty eight, a little over twenty eight thousand awesome. dollars. Our st- standard budget was twenty seven five. Now, to a lot of people, that is a boatload of money. That would take care. I mean, like I wouldn't live an amazing year, but if you handed me that, I could, I could deal with. Oh, the I next think it year. would help out every single person that's listening. An extra twenty eight k, of course. An extra twenty eight k, absolutely. Can I say that word on here? Yeah. I didn't ask. Um, but to make a movie, that's like ten bucks. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> That's I mean, like 10 bucks and you have to make Thanksgiving dinner. The documentary that I made about my run for uh, Brooklyn Borough President, Haley herself, it cost me like 15 grand and it was, uh, it's 40 minutes and yeah. I know yours is 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, and that was just like pulling all the stops, every favor I could ask. Yeah. Yeah. I asked. Yeah. And it was, it's just, it was largely my dad and I shooting it. We had a couple people 
that we brought in to help us get footage but like all that footage almost all the footage you see is either shot by me or by, by my dad right um and like you also know this it's oddly harder to make something a 40-minute documentary to pack it all into one. That's it like is. a way harder job because you would think like, oh, 40 minutes, that's, they didn't, why isn't it an hour and a half? No, it's way harder to make it that like Well, it's hard to cut compact. the fat because yeah. there's oftentimes things that you have to kind of leave on the table that you, you would like to keep You have to let go in. of the gems, yeah. Especially when it is, I mean, in the case of gerrymandering, it's very dry material. It's a dry yeah. topic. You have to you have to condense and then make interesting, and then you have to. Uh, it's we big, had to let go of when well, um, a representative in there went on Facebook and called us agents of Soros. Agents of Soros. And yes. like, I had to try to, I had to like explain to my dad like why that was a big deal and why it's like, no, we have credibility now. <laughs> like, he's scared of us, and he was like, this what? was a politician, and this is a this is Daryl Metcalf. Oh my god, that's went so on his funny. Facebook page and was ranting and, and he's raving. One of the main he's villains. Like, yeah, you could call him like the villain the of the movie. Yeah. yeah. He, I love this Agents of Soros. It's yeah. very superhero-like. It's I like, guess, get together. I hear unite. the X-Men theme song from yeah. the 90s. I mean, yeah. I guess the last name Millman made him really go there. Yeah, yeah he was really uh, freaking out. <laughs> it could be Irish, dude. You don't know. So this uh. takes place. I think one of the significant things about this documentary, again, is location. It's location, location, location. Pennsylvania is going to be a crucial state going forward in 2020. Wisconsin, mm-hmm. uh, Michigan as well. So I feel like this microcosm case is really uh, indicative of what's going on across our entire country. And the fact that it's happening in Pennsylvania, such a crucial state, makes this even more uh, chilling in many ways. Yeah, so I actually think that Pennsylvania, what they did there should set the standard for literally every state. It would be a lot easier if, like, I guess you, the collective, the royal we could go and fight against the U.S. Constitution, but because of the way it's written, that's not how it works. And there are Well, I wouldn't even argue fighting against the Constitution. I would argue fighting for the Constitution as as it's written. Yeah, but like using that as your tool. But because of the way it's written, you can't. There's a bunch of other states lodging this fight right now. Um, There's, I believe Maryland is. It went to trial. It's currently in trial in North Carolina. Um, I think and, Florida actually successfully changed yeah, the shape, changed their redistricting yeah, thing. Like they did a similar thing to Pennsylvania in yeah, their, their state Supreme Court. Yeah, it's just so the the Pennsylvania win is a landmark win for sure, but it is not a permanently guaranteed win, right? Because the other thing we followed were, were well, Senate bills and House bills. Yeah. Let's talk. Yeah. So let's let's get to the Pennsylvania win in a second because I want to yeah. continue on. So you 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 crowdfunded, you got all the resources needed. Yeah. You're like, we're ready to rock and roll. I like I made assuming... my back insanely sore on Twitch for ten hours, just being like, "Please, please give us money." I know it's the it's the millennial working man back problem know, that we all have. But like, if you the, ever the have the to Twitch crowdfund back. anything, I, you get Twitch back, and it's crazy. I hear you. <laughs> so I would assume when you're doing something like this, you have to interview people that oftentimes don't particularly care to be interviewed, specifically about something that they know they're doing wrong. Yeah. What was that process like for you? Obviously, your father is sort of. The backbone, the lead, the narrator of the documentary, and again, he is a, an adorable, folksy man. Isn't he wonderful? Uh, he really I love is. Him. But what was that sort of process like when it comes to finding out who to interview and trying to uncover what the hell is actually going on in Pennsylvania? So a lot of that was very interesting because 
I mean, just in the dynamic of the back and forth between a father-daughter team, um, I also knew that I'm very lucky to have a good enough relationship with my, with my dad where Absolutely. we can make something like this. Like, to quote a friend of mine, he was like, I can't even imagine planning a barbecue yes. with my dad. Oh, yeah, no, that's not happening. Let alone making a political documentary with my father. No. But a lot of it was... My dad turning to me and saying, we're here to document. We're not here to get involved. Mm-hmm. Please don't get arrested. And then my dad immediately considering breaking the law and me being like, can I at least have the car keys? He <laughs> I need to get home. There's a scene where there's a bunch of protesters yeah. uh, in uh, Where's Waldo cosplay. Yeah. yeah. He wasn't one of those. Pe- no, no, he wasn't one of those people. But that was the scene that I got a sp- that speech from beforehand because like, we actually had to cut a lot more from that scene because there were a lot more state employees just straight up trying to start shoving matches. Oh yeah, you and you caught it, you captured it on film. There's yeah. a police officer that just shoves this what seems to be like a 65-year-old man dressed as Waldo from yeah. Where's Waldo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just flake, yeah, just like pushes him to the ground. It's it was really like I mean, you know, there's much much well, worse police brutality up there. It was still very course. upsetting to witness. But why do you think an issue like this gets such a heated response? Because Travis as he said earlier, the documentary, I'm not going to sit here and lie to people. It's, there's not going to be any explosions. No. It's not the most exciting 45 minutes of your life. It's informative and yeah. important. But that, with the um, reaction that is so vitriol, that is so emotional and so angry, we are talking about something that should just be done with analytics. Yeah. yeah. This is just a math problem. This many people live in this district. We're going to put them there. Yeah. Like, this should not be so emotional. Why do you think the issue gets so heated when we're talking about something that should be done in a back room at a city planners meeting that no one should ever discuss again outside in public? Because people know. Because people get upset when they're told to their face that they're doing something wrong and they know they're wrong. Right. Like, when you, if you think, think about, like, your friendship dynamics when people get into a silly fight and one person, like... It's sort of like, you they know, know they're wrong, but they double down they until double they get down drunk and they enough call and everybody toxic and yeah. then they have a freak out or right. whatever or they apologize. And like they're basically doing the version of saying like everyone is toxic and I need to do self-care by continuing to do what I've been doing. Right. But it's, you know, they don't go out and they do a face mask. They go out and they screw over tons and tons of school districts and citizens and just like people who just want to vote. It seems like I know this this horrible, audacious. These are radical people who just want to vote. I know, right? Like, there's school teachers basically in this. Like, in the Where's Waldo scene that you mentioned, basically the reason they were dressed up in Waldo costumes is because their representatives they couldn't find them. Yes. Okay. Okay. That 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 I was wondering. I was going to ask you. That was the bit. Yeah. uh, Okay. Great. (laughs) Now it now it makes complete sense. Yeah, that was the bit. But they were kind of the more radical group that was willing to work with us. And like I, both groups have their own approaches, and both groups have their have their terms of victories. But like. March on Harrisburg was way more willing to be like, all right, everybody, get a calendar out. When was the last time you were arrested? Okay, you can't get arrested for three more months. Right. Mm-hmm. They were like way more willing to get in their faces and get a reaction. And then the other group was very much willing to be like the presentable, friendly ones, which is like sort of the balance that you have to strike when you're doing stuff like this. Right. Um, but yeah, in that scene, in the, the scene, I think, where a bunch of Teamsters volunteered to get arrested... Um, which weirdly again made me very emotional of like oh my god these guys are in, in it to win it uh, my dad was like oh I might go get arrested now and I was like he, he said it, he, that, that looks kind of fun yeah. 
Bob, you can't get arrested Bob, tonight. You can you give me the keys to the Subaru, please? Well, yeah. you know, it's interesting because obviously the people that you're confronting, they're in power and they're in power for a reason. Not necessarily state... Uh, Local officials may not have benefited from gerrymandering, but uh, but certainly the, the the state representatives have. I uh, I'm thinking about our interview with Mike Larson. Yeah, Mike Larson is running against Jim Jordan in Ohio. I believe mm-hmm. it's the Ohio's fourth, and he was talking about how in Jim Jordan's district there is a prison, and in that prison they count those people as part of the population. They can't vote. Yep. But they add up the yes. numbers. Yep. So it's gross. Did you confront? What was one of the most egregious? situations that you confronted when you're like this is so like this is so crazy that these people are doing this in plain sight well there was there's the aforementioned street in philly where you could stand in three different districts but that's not in the movie there's a scene in the movie where we went to there's a i think it was district seven don't quote me where it's basically no one was in half of it except for a seafood restaurant. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. Creed's Seafood Restaurant. Yeah, we went and ate there afterward. It was lovely. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's good. Cool. Little shout out to well, Creed's. They're, they're their own district. They're, they're, their own, they're their own congressional district. And like a lot of it was just like they go along, they cut along highways a lot of the time where nobody lives mm-hmm. to like sew the district together. There's actually a really crazy example in Brooklyn where yeah. Hakeem Jeffries was redistricted out of he was redistricted out of his own district that he was <laughs> representing unbelievable to the, to the point where the district lines went around his house yep. and then back around yes that map is insane and yes. you guys mentioned ohio if you look at the maps for i believe it's it's one of the two big cities in ohio it's either cincinnati columbus maybe or columbus but the way the districts are drawn are basically like the epic. Like it's just it's so blatant of like here are the rich people, here are the middle class people, right. here are the poor people. It's drawn out like a target. All of the districts. So, and I'm sure you mentioned uh, Hakeem Jeffries, obviously a rising star within the Democratic Party. I'm sure AOC's district is gonna look different. Yeah, oh, in yeah. 2020, I guarantee they're going to try to do something. Oh, like like get, get Cobble Hill in there somehow, or parts of yeah. parts of the Upper West Side. They're going like to figure the, something out. Like the four Trump voters that were in Williamsburg that got reported on after yes. the 2016 election. Yeah, I just like it's the I'm. I don't think that I think they would wouldn't be so silly as to vote like destroy someone who does have power instead of sucking up to someone who has power at this point. But I don't right. know. They're also really good at shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, so like, you're, so in the documentary, your your dad really breaks it down what gerrymandering is. Yeah. So let me just if let me regurgitate what he has said and tell oh, me yeah. if I'm if I'm getting this incorrect. So. Um, Packing would be consolidating yes. uh, the sort of, in this case, democratic uh, communities of people and sort of uh, getting them out of the way so that you can then, uh, was it crack? Like make, create Pack shapes. Pack and crack, yeah. Yeah, create shapes that are a little bit more irregular that do uh, consist of, in this case, Republican uh leaning constituents so okay, basically yeah. packing is also that's the reason why we have oftentimes uh, minority majority districts yep uh, basically what you do is you take a group uh, instead of allowing them to be peppered throughout a district uh, you put them all into one spot which is limiting their voice and guaranteeing yeah a vote will go in the opponent's direction yeah but you're also guaranteeing 
multiple safe districts all around. Yeah, that's kind of more in line with, I think, how people sort of view the Electoral College, too. Like, if you have a, a packed district, it's kind of like being like, well, I'm in New York State. Like, I don't really need to vote for the candidate. We know how it's going to go. So, right. like, that's sort of, that's kind of in line with that. But crack districts, districts are when they're, like, if you're trying to draw them in parties, like, if you have two, if you have party one and two, I'm not even going to say Democrat, Republican. If you have party one and two, and party one is trying to draw the maps in their favor, they take party two and they just dilute them throughout so they don't really have a lot of power instead right. of putting them into one district instead yes okay. yeah. yeah so it's packing and cracking yeah. and because of those two methodologies that's why you get these insane looking districts yeah it's like looking at the sky and seeing a, on a cloudy day and seeing like an elephant yeah it is like so abstract it's, also yeah, crazy. it's like looking for orion it's crazy it really that, is. that yeah. those two words are a part of the lexicon so much so because that really legitimizes the process of gerrymandering in the first place, having two words that you can refer to yeah. in legislatures and be like, oh, yeah, we're going to do some cracking and some packing over yeah. here. Right. The fact that that is just two words that you would say to say, like, this is what we're doing to a map. Can you imagine, like, some dorky senator saying that and trying to pretend they're on the wire or something like that? Yeah, yeah, uh, we do. <laughs> just like, we just cracked District 14. Yeah, we packed and cracked. Packing and cracking. Please just give people. And their then vote. you also. I mean, it is just. It is also just so insane, and it just it shows that they know they're not reflecting the will of the people. No, they're because not because they know they're not going to lose. They know they're not going to win in a fair election. So it's just a total. It is them uh, admitting that they are not trying to benefit people. No, no, that they're just trying to pander to the base they think exists. Like I may I mentioned Daryl Metcalf calling us agents of Soros on yes, Facebook. Yes, yes, congratulations. Thank you. Um but he also I mean it's just that's unfortunately that man does have some form of power in the movie but he's just he's a terrified little man like right. he's he's he has like like a two minute the Metcalf minute on YouTube if you want to watch it <laughs> the and Metcalf he, minute yeah, I'll have to check it out he's like delved into being a QAnon guy and like regardless of this whether or not this is an elected I, official yeah this is elected and he's official. into the QAnon he's, he's, conspiracy he's a Q boy uh, well, that's, uh, yeah. that's a, a little unnerving there, right, kind of right, scary, but right. that's okay. A lot of them feel that way. It's no, so scary. Is, is, is um, the Metcalf minute just him looking into the camera putting lipstick on for a, a 60 for seconds? For a minute, yeah, just, like, with be- the countdown. He's got really beady eyes, yeah. No, um, it truly is. It but truly like, is. It's, regardless of whether or not he believes in said conspiracy theories, like he's just pandering to what he thinks his base is. Of course. Because he thinks his base is stupid and he thinks his base in this it's it's like when I think it was Rand Paul said like the Senate cafeteria doesn't have burgoo and everybody thought it was like a funny spelling mistake and he misspelled burger. No, like burgoo is like squirrel soup and he was just like hokily trying to appeal to what he thinks the people want instead of just mm. going out and doing what the people want and doing what the people who elected you want you to do. Oh, I guarantee you that neighbor that beat up Rand Paul has been gerrymandered outside, <laughs> out of the community, at the very least, for sure. It's been gerrymandered out of the state. I think so. But it really is true. It's so sad. We are in the fever dream of Alex Jones. It's his world, and we're just living in it. Yeah. And unfortunately, I don't even know if he's a part of his world anymore. He's almost been laughed out 
of the own of the world that he helped create. No, yeah, with Infowars, he is Pagliacci, is, the sad clown. Now, yeah, it's just insane to me that we have <laughs> these doctor, people. I had but, chili. But doctor, <laughs> I am Alex Jones. But it's just insane to me that we have these local politicians who would listen to something like Infowars. Whether they believe it or not, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say they don't, but then they have said it's in my best interest if I do, and the brain is a very bizarre, gelatinous thing. Over and I the year that- and a half we made this, there were a couple people I spoke to who off the record were like, oh yeah, a bunch of these guys think the moon landing was faked. Which, like, oh, in yeah. terms of conspiracy theory, pretty harmless, but it's still like, right. oh no, yes. oh no. <laughs> Did you notice as you were making this over the... Uh, over the months that you were making it, some people who you spoke with at the top of the process, before we've gotten fully marinated in Donald Trump and uh, and the world again that we are seeing now in the political sense, did you see people become crazier? Did you see people like sort of like slip down? Like maybe you're talking with someone and they're like, oh my God, QAnon, that's insane, to the point now where they're like, well... You don't know, and my constituents believe X, Y, Z. Mostly, I just saw people getting more and more frustrated. Like, um, Michael Pollack is someone who is heavily featured in the documentary, and we would call him more of a protagonist than an antagonist. I love Michael. I think he's great. Yeah. Um, but he's one of the people who is gets out there and gets arrested and gets in people's faces and is anti-corruption. Uh, we had a screening of the movie in a church in Pennsylvania, and he just kind of... He, Michael is always a person who is very together. He's very presented. You can tell that he has thought very sincerely about his words and that he knows how he wants to say and what he wants to say. say. And, like, he has his stump speeches ready. And I saw him that day, and it was the day before he was about to go on vacation for the first time in, like, a couple of years. And he was just losing his mind <laughs> and was like, why doesn't anybody care who who is going to care about this? I don't care anymore. And like mm-hmm. this sweet rabbi just <laughs> literally saying mask off to me yeah. <laughs> and right. then going for it was like, oh no, everything is breaking you. And like, I mean, my dad has uh, grown frustrated with this just because, and this is, I agree with him. The movie we have, you're right, there's not a lot of, a lot of explosions. Unfortunately, we couldn't get Keanu Reeves to come in and make it cool and John fun. John Wick 4 is coming out in 2021. I, I think he's busy for yeah. doing that. Very exciting. I mean, it, I, Keanu, if you care about it, I, that that's great. Come, I'm sure that he would. Come hang out. We had another action star endorse the movie. Um, but Well, you had Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah, didn't you? Yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger. But, I mean, you're correct. It is not the most, it is not the next Marvel movie. But it is the only thing of its kind. Right. We are the only thing out there that we know of that is approaching this with the state representatives, exactly. with, with like state legislation and, and state constitutions and saying, because uh, what we want people to do is we want people to use it as an educational tool and we want people to use it as a way to galvanize people in their states Yes. Well, and, it, when, and of course, when I say that, when it comes to, uh, oh, there's no explosions or anything, what I mean by that is it is intellectually sound. And even like Michael Moore, like those documentaries, once I found out all of the editing, all of those things, it makes it very difficult to trust Michael Moore any longer. And I used to be really into Michael Moore, and I yeah, used to really I mean, enjoy Bowling for Columbine. And then you see again, the editing, like, and you see the, the like, for example, the dudes uh, from uh, South Park in that in that animated video. They made it look like it was South Park, and everyone thought it was the South Park dudes, yeah. and it wasn't. And just this, that, and the other thing. 
manipulating people's sentences um, and lying. But I felt like with your documentary, it seems much more authentic and much more like this is in the weeds. We are very earnest. Yeah. So I would ask, like, do you consider this a formula to sort of be recreated in certain in states that are facing the same dilemma, which I guess is all states? I want every other state to do this, which is which is to say nonviolent protest is, is the sort of the best way to approach this. I mean, ah! or, or what, I mean, because so like, <laughs> I mean, not necessarily the where's Waldo cosplay aspect of it, but um, I mean, what do people do? Because it's hard to, like you said, it is hard to galvanize people about this topic because it seems very nebulous. And, and yeah, it seems like it's like, well, you, I guess we signed a petition. I hear as a representative of a documentary should not endorse uh, getting violent. I, as a private citizen, maybe have. I don't think that you should hurt people who are innocent. I don't think that you should like d- draw any blood. I think you should remind your representatives that they are w- there to represent you. Absolutely, and they are there to represent your. And I power. want them a little bit scared. <laughs> I have want, no problem with that. Yeah, scare your representatives a little bit. I have no your, problem with that. You should absolutely scare your representatives. You should absolutely remind well, them that you have the power to take it away. Maybe show and even, up in like a hockey mask or something. Whatever. No, I mean, just like I think, I think a lot of like, the thing we've been talking about this whole time is that these a lot of these people are reacting so strongly out of cowardice. Exactly. And yes. if you say to if you were to say to a re, a speaker Terzai or a representative Metcalf if you were to say okay if you don't fix this we're going to primary you they're going to get scared. Exactly. Remind them of the power that you do hold because they're t- trying to take that away too. Well, let's talk and I want to get to the conclusion. I want to get to the court case because yeah. that's sort of the um the uh, structure of the uh, of the documentary and obviously the climax, but can we talk a little bit about sweetheart gerrymander? Yeah. So, because this is actually a relatively new term. Obviously, mm-hmm. we know packing, we know cracking. <laughs> oh, but baby, 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 do we know packing and cracking? We know so much packing and cracking. It's like it's totally that was utterly season insane. two of the wire. It was all about packing and cracking. And I that's why that I got three. Yeah. No, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Been three. <laughs> One of them that season was a little two less was exciting. Packing, season three was cracking. Okay, oh, I'm glad right. we got that. But that's let's right. get into yeah. the sweetheart gerrymander. Yeah. Can can you explain that a little bit for our audience and how it affects their vote or their lack of ability to have their voice heard? So it's actually in line with threatening to vote somebody out. Sweetheart gerrymandering is basically when the committees that get together to redraw these districts in private, um, and they usually are doing them with a lot of extreme data. And like they, all of it is via like data analysis now, which right. is why the maps are so crazy looking because they can't let one vote go it's basically a sweetheart gerrymandering gerrymander is when they agree to keep the incumbents in there and maintain stasis right so because like say i'm a democrat and you're a republican or you're a republican and i'm a democrat we don't agree with each other but we both know that that it's basically like do you want to keep your power right i want to keep my power great, we're not going to do anything to disrupt this. We're not going to let anybody get in the way. Exactly. And an example of like how that got flipped in its head is once the, because it was the congressional maps that got redrawn, Pittsburgh elected three Democratic Socialists. Right. As representatives. Right. And Philadelphia elected one. And a lot of, dis- and a lot of representatives were flips, were, were flipped. Right. Because they couldn't sweetheart it anymore. 
Right, 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 right. Mm. No, that is absolutely that is a that that is a great result. Yeah. And regardless of if you like democratic socialists or not, that is the will of the people, and that's what matters the most. Yeah. So, um, when it comes to what you guys were doing, so basically a sweetheart deal yeah. is just both sides. You right scratch and my left. back, I'll scratch yours. Exactly. Yeah. And it's very similar to what happened when Hunter S. Thompson was running for sheriff in Colorado. Both the Democrats and the Republicans uh, went all in against Hunter S. Thompson because he was doing great, as a matter of fact. And oh, he was yeah. almost up in the polls and he was about to win in a three-way race. So basically the Democrats and the Republicans got together and were just like, I'm going to endorse your boy, you endorse our boy, and we are going to make sure that Hunter S. Thompson and his and his movement does not win yep. so they literally get together and that's why we hear oftentimes people talking about uh two sides of the same coin yep you know that's when we hear people talking about and i think it's this sort of apathy that led to someone like a donald trump that's where all the power was and that's where all the energy was because there was a huge subset of people who bought into his message and accurately his message was accurate when it comes to corruption of course he is you know the harbinger of of corruption and doom yeah but that he was able to hit on something that so many people resonated it resonated with so many people, which is why we saw, obviously, Hillary Clinton did get three million more votes. I'm not saying she didn't. Yeah. But in certain populations, that notion that the presidency really doesn't matter, they're all the same, kept a lot of people at home. Yeah, I mean, there's I mean, there's a bajillion factors that kept a lot of people at home, too. But I say Lena Dunham's music video cost Hillary Clinton the election, but that's just me. I say a Wisconsin. Lot. I say not going to Wisconsin, but that's a different argument. There's a whole bunch and of And we're getting along great, so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's um, to that apathy to which she spoke to. Making this was also interesting for both my dad and I, because I would say at this point, even though he is definitely the person who radicalized me, uh, I'm a little more left and he is a little more center. Like he's going to be all like a vote blue no matter who guy. Yeah, um, for sure. And like I will probably grumble about it a lot more. Uh, <laughs> well, it was interesting. It was we went to Politicon this year and yeah. the massive feuds. Obviously, you got Republicans and Democrats going at it. But the real energy feuds were establishment Democrats versus progressive Democrats. And establishment Republicans versus Trump Republicans. I mean, not going to lie, I have an easier time processing and understanding a MAGA person than I do a Klobuchar fan at this point. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I understand. I understand. The pathology but behind the Klobuchar person. <laughs> I kind of love her at this point because she's crazy. She but has, like, I respect it. Yeah. Amy Klobuchar has grown on me solely because I love the show Veep. And she okay. reminds me a little bit of Selena Meyer. <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. Um, but anyway, what I was going to say is that it was interesting watching my dad and I kind of both bend the way we felt about things. Like at the beginning, my dad was definitely a person who erred more on the side of respectability and we have to be nice. And then but at the end of the movie, he was like, no, you have to like raise a little hell and smash some windows and maybe spend like a couple hours in a jail cell. And for me, you know, like I am, I'm, I'm, I, I called myself a very annoying leftist and like, and I, I usually do not believe that the answer is often in the middle and the answer is compromise. No, like the answer is the answer and that's it. But in terms of gerrymandering, I kind of have to, you know, like, like eat my crow on that one because to truly solve it, like, it is an answer where both sides have to come together and have to. It's having our movie get endorsed by two people. And, like, this was a movie 
funded solely i would say solely by leftists or liberals or people at least in the center or cartoon rats or cartoon rats pat noswell (laughs) quite a bit of money yeah yeah thank you Patton. um (laughs) uh but either way uh to have our movie get endorsed by arnold schwarzenegger is actually a good sign for it because it's well, I think Arnold Schwarzenegger represents a Republican Party that isn't really uh, in existence anymore. I mean, even the fact that he understands or believes that the climate is changing and understands that it's an issue is yeah. radical for the Republican Party at this point. Yeah, and I kind of eat my humble pie on that one because any, on anything else, like, I mean, Schwarzenegger, like, you know, he's the Terminator, so it's like, cool. Yeah, well, he's but, cool. Like, he's got yeah, a great butt. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. But, like, if any other like establishment Republican were to be like, you know, I agree with you about this and I endorse you on this on any other topic, I might be like, no, I don't I don't want to be associated with you. <laughs> well, that's but what like, I've been for... raging against when it comes to this ridiculous world that we live in where people on the left are trying to side with Lindsey Graham and the Warhawk Republicans when it comes to uh, Donald Trump and his foreign policy. Are you talking oh, to me? Marcus, I'm, or Travis, I'm staring at you. Yes, Lindsey. I, <laughs> Everything I will never, Lindsey Graham ever, says is wrong. I will never agree with Lindsey Graham on any other thing than that one thing. But yes, it's I agree really, with it's, you. It's really it putting a wedge like in our friendship. It was sort of like watching the, the debates in 2015 when like Trump wasn't Trump yet. And like every seven things he said, he would start to approach being like, oh, no, I, I kind of agree with Well, saying. when he would like roast people, it's like, this is great. Yeah, this is entertainment. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. He is the poster in chief for sure. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, but, but for it, me, to go back to what I was saying, is like eating the humble pie of like, yes, we need everybody to fix this. And yep. that's the thing about gerrymandering and gerrymandering as a topic is that like the three of us could go around and say like, this is the thing I firmly believe has to change. Like I believe all in all that like we have to reform our like healthcare system. Your issue, Travis, could be like we have to, everything has to focus on climate change tomorrow. Your issue could be what's your what's his favorite issue? Um, <laughs> criminal justice, criminal justice, criminal justice reform. reform. Yes. All three of us could have very very different things, and then there could be a fourth guy who's like, every time you buy a loaf of bread, somebody has to tell you the earth is flat. Those could be four different people's insane, passionate things that they put all of their sweat and their tears into. Unless you fix gerrymandering, no one is going to do shit about criminal justice reform about healthcare reform about climate change and about telling you the world is flat when you buy bread like no one is going to do anything about it unless you can get that power structure down and it, what's very interesting <laughs> i'm just looking at brennancenter.com <laughs> yeah. uh, or brennancenter.org when we talk about bipartisan support for something gerrymandering does have it this is according yep. to president ronald reagan yep. uh, he says uh, that's all we're asking that's all we're asking for, an end to anti-democratic and anti-American practice of gerrymandering congressional districts. The fact is, gerrymandering has become a national scandal. Obama, he said, we've got to end the practice of drawing our congressional districts so that politicians can pick their voters and not the other way around. Let a bipartisan group do it. You got former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, is like, we've been drawing lines for political reasons all the way back to 1812, but I think it's wrong. I think it leads to bad government. Uh, of do you course, know how much I hate agreeing with Newt? No, I I don't, I don't. I mean, I've met Newt Gingrich a few times, and every time I see him, I just want to. I want to poke him and and keep on poking him until he laughs himself uh, to death, like the like the uh, like the bad uh, cartoon weasels in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah, it's just like you know, like the I 
you guys said I could swear, but like what I would uh, say and do to Ronald Reagan for what he did to uh, people suffering from AIDS should not be on the show. Um, well, but he, like, got, he got his. Unfortunately, yeah. I agree with him. <laughs> well, all right. So let's yeah, go on. Unfortunately, so, I agree with him on the subject of gerrymandering. So we it's agree. Like, it's humble pie, man. There yeah. is a bipartisan <laughs> consensus that gerrymandering is bad. Although, again, these people... Uh, they were all elected, and I guarantee you, push comes to shove, Newt Gingrich would not do anything to change the district oh, no. that elected him. No, and so it I, seems like conservatives definitely better utilize gerrymandering to. They're the, just better at they're it. Just though. better. That's at the it. problem they're with more the Democratic. They, they just know, do it. They just do it better than the Democrats. They try. They cheat better. But the they Democrats better, are just yeah. like, I don't know how to do it. But this. Yeah, I mean, a thing that made me really nutso is after the Supreme Court decision was struck down, I saw a lot of people saying like, oh, well, what the Democrats have to do is they have to gerrymander them right back, which is like, no, just stop cheating. Just, yeah. <laughs> well, oh, my God, this doesn't solve anything. It just perpetuates the cycle. And uh, then I go crazy and I go, I have to put my phone down. <laughs> oh, no, it absolutely does. It's like having a, it's like having a beer in the morning to cure your hangover um oh, i can't do that anymore <laughs> i know it doesn't work it's a perpetual cycle yeah. so let's go back to the documentary mm-hmm. line in the street line in the street so what was the ultimate goal of the documentary and can you talk a little bit about the conclusion and uh, what happened when it comes to pennsylvania and what kind of change did you make so the goal at the time i think my dad just was like i want to cover this i want to see where it goes i'm retired my daughter just raised a bunch of money for it i want to see where this goes i want to make a movie about this he didn't really have an end goal at the time he just wanted to be there and he wanted to document what he felt was going to be a historical case no matter what happened um and then when we were midway through it it seemed like we were going the case was going to win because there were two cases one lost one won. uh we were like let's make this an educational tool let's use this to continue this because the court case that did win can be overturned in a number of years Mm. it is in danger and you know for now one set of maps is a lot more fair the others are not and it can be easily redrawn so what did the court case say that won um yeah so the same set of lawyers um that brought the case in pennsylvania um to trial they also set their sights they won in north carolina okay they won in north carolina they won for the redrawing of the maps by a third party committee. The ca- the stuff that lost in the documentary were uh, Senate Bill 22 and House Bill 722, if I recall correctly, or just flip those because I know there's 22s in there. Okay. Were uh, anti corruption bills. They were against um, the, because in Pennsylvania, they are really flagrantly exchanging gifts to curry favor mm. um, from representatives. Um, and there was a lot of shouting about Beyonce tickets that I heard. Um, <laughs> Do they get the Beyonce tickets? Uh, the representatives didn't. It stinks because I love her and I don't want to be anti like Beyonce tickets. But like, yeah, no, it sucks that they were getting there. They were getting favor with that because they were okay. in the back pocket of a lot of corporate um, interests instead of the people. Well, good. And you did what all white women have to do. You pronounced your love for Beyonce. I did. So you're still safe. Don't worry I about did. it. I did. At this point, I spent more on wrestling tickets than I've sent to go see, he, see her. But that's a different story. Absolutely. And of course, <laughs> your wrestling podcast, Wrestle Splania. Oh, thank Check you. That yeah. <laughs> uh, that's sort of how I got on here, weirdly. Um, but uh, 
basically we they the they won in Pennsylvania. It's a landmark case. Mm. You can point to it and it's actually going to make a lot of future cases easier because you could say they won. This is the precedent. We have And a what did it set. change? It changed the congressional maps. Okay. Um and it redrew them with uh to be a lot more fair and a lot more representative and uh, a lot of the wackier districts kind of went bye-bye so we have to remember them forever in our heads yeah all the districts look a lot smoother now yeah they look normal but the other the other important thing to think about is a lot of people when they think about gerrymandering they think about the wacky looking districts new york state doesn't have the wacky looking districts but they have they new york state is a gerrymandered state right yeah you can still accomplish that without the craziness absolutely they just get really wild with it like all they do is just move uh they they move it by a couple inches on a map mm-hmm. and suddenly well, a district's you know, makeup is fully changed if gerrymandering reform doesn't work you can do what staten island is trying to do and secede and from the state and become a sovereign state <laughs> hey man finally I'll, I'll go. finally yeah. bo deedle will lead something <laughs> thank, thank god then, great yes. leader deedle is <laughs> Leader Deedle, other than um, hunting down all the uh, him and Action Bronson, <laughs> just like the two weird cameos in the Lo- Irishman. Love, dis- <laughs> love the surprise shirtless Bo Deedle in the Irishman. <laughs> really woke me up. Was and, he in Irish? Yeah, the about Irishman? two hours in, you you get you get a big flash. Of him in like a sweat house or something like that. Oh my god! When I ran for office, I met Bo Deedle multiple times, and he is as crazy. Like he is so much crazier. (laughs) Do you want a good Deedle story that has nothing to do with gerrymandering? No, but anyway, long story short, gerrymandering. (laughs) Then we do the Deedle story, and then we'll and then we'll let you go. Okay. So so good things happened. You got things done. Supreme Court in Pennsylvania sided uh, with what you and your father wanted more. Uh, Democratic districts. Mm-hmm. So you guys did something, and More you guys equal took action. Representation. Yes. Equal representation yes. uh, within the districts. So number one, congratulations, and you did what we've been talking about for a long time on this show: getting active, staying active, and actually creating social change. So I'm really congr- proud of it. <laughs> congratulations, Rachel. Thank you, and, but I also and Bob, you, and Bob. you nailed it. Thank you, Bob. Uh, thank you, Dad. But I also do want to genuinely say thank you because that's a very nice thing to hear and that's super validating. That's so wonderful. But I also want to say thank you because, you know, I love every top opportunity I have to say thank you to the people who donated and backed the movie and backed, like, our vision. But also the Pennsylvania residents who got out there on the ground, like, yeah, we, we were there to document, but, like, there were people who put their bodies on the line for this, and they are the people that should absolutely be lauded. And the law center that uh, put up the... They, these multiple lawsuits now, like they are the people, like the people who are fighting for this are like, they deserve all of the applause. And I hope that they got it. Absolutely. They're wonderful. And I just, I feel really lucky that like I had the opportunity to be able to bear witness to it. That's awesome. All right. Yeah. Let's put the cherry on top of this wonderful gerrymandering conversation with a deedle tale. Okay. <laughs> it has nothing to do with gerrymandering. That's and okay. this is, we will uh, preface all of Hold this. On, let me take my shirt off before. Mm-hmm. In honor you want to get in the mood. In honor of deedle. <laughs> of course. Uh, I'll preface all of this with a legend beforehand so nobody gets in trouble. Great. So I have um, a, a, a member of my stepfather family who is a retired uh new york city uh nypd uh detective i believe he i will not say his name even though he's retired he was uh briefly briefly partnered with with bo deedle so bo had almost every medal you can get by being with the nypd and he wanted to complete the collection now the only one he didn't have 
was a medal you get for when you're injured in the line of duty. Oh my god. However, don't don't fret. Bo had a plan. <laughs> so he went to aforementioned uh, family member of mine, uh, whose name I will not be saying. And this is all alleged, of course. I'm just going to pepper that in there a couple more times. Yeah, he good, allegedly good. went to another alleged step family, step family member of mine, and said, "Hey, I want to do this. So we're going to go into an area." where we're more likely to get hurt and I'm going to provoke them and you're going to be my cover. And he said, and the the other person said, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so he was planning to get injured so he could get another medal, so he could get a cop purple heart. So And also, <laughs> but someone was going to go to prison for life after they yeah. shot him or yep. stabbed him yep. or punched him. Yep. That's like uh, attempted stolen valor or something. Oh, like he God, he was going to actually get hurt. This is a legend. Uh, no, this is I, a legend. I, I guarantee yeah. you that story is no, this true is, because that's Deedle. This is a legend because Bo Deedle, that does sound very much. I'm from a world of wrestling podcasts. People have gotten sued for them. I don't want you guys getting sued. No, I don't want no. me getting sued. We'll never get <laughs> sued. No, Bo, Bo Deedle's a friend of the pod. So. Yeah, he's been on. He's been on. Um, <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll probably tell that story then. <laughs> again, check it out. Line in the street. Yeah, line rate. in the street. You can uh, email us, line in the street at gmail.com. You can rent the movie on Vimeo or on Amazon because I made my. I made sure that I told my dad we had to have an alternate to Amazon. I, I got the Vimeo one. In Love case it. people chose to not give them their money, which is totally fine. But if you want to rent it in either places, you can. If yes. you want to contact us to have a screening of the movie, we have been taking screenings on the road. We went to we had a screening at USC via the Schwarzenegger Institute. Nice. Uh, we had we've had screenings in Pennsylvania at the Red Rose Film Festival in November, and then we said, "Hey, the holidays are coming." I what I want to do is I want to bring the documentary to the middle of the country because a it. lot of the coastal states like get it and are like progressive, but like the middle of the country is a forgotten power, and it's people who feel abandoned. Absolutely, and you want those people to feel heard, and like I think we can do that with it. So Absolutely. if you are listening to this and you want a screening of the movie, hit us up line in the street at gmail.com. Depending on who answers it, it'll be me or my dad. We have different syntax, but we both <laughs> are passionate about this. All right, um, line in the street at gmail.com. Rachel Millman, thank you so much for being so on the show. Welcome. And if you like pro wrestling, I have a podcast about that too. Blah blah. blah. I'll, I'll mention it up top. Oh, thank you. <laughs> okay, everyone, there it was the interview with Rachel Millman. Thank you all so much for listening. Listening to this week's episode, we will keep you informed of what's going on on next week's episode, and then we will have one week off during Christmas. This is the first time I'm hearing of it. This yeah, is great. Buddy. This is yeah, great. We're gonna Thank be, you. We're going to be dark during Christmas. We got to celebrate. I'm going to get real dark. Indeed. Okay, everyone. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you on the road in April. Cannot wait. Hail yourselves. We'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. 
Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.